If you're a veteran or military spouse of a real estate startup or small business and feel like you're making it up as you go, then you've come to the right place. Welcome to The Transition, where we demystify the entrepreneurial experience for veterans and military spouses who've already made or looking to make the transition from the military into entrepreneurship. I'm your host, Iron Mike Stedman, the voice of the bunker. I'm a Marine Corps veteran, social entrepreneur, and member of the Bunker Lives branding team. On this episode of The Transition, I continue doing some ecosystem building by sitting down with Alexa Madero, director of the Veteran Future Lab at NYU, a no-cost incubator that houses early-stage ventures led by veterans and military spouses. VFL has a world-class digital makerspace at the NYU Tannen School of Engineering located in Brooklyn, New York. And similar to Bunker Labs, they have programs for early-stage small business owners and venture-backable startups that are seeking investment. One of the reasons I wanted to get Alexa on the show to talk about VFL is so you understand the massive amount of opportunities available to you all in the veteran entrepreneur and military spouse ecosystem. Alexa is a military spouse and former VR alumni and ambassador for Bunker Labs in New York City. And with all the different programs available in our ecosystem, it can be hard to determine which one is a good fit for you and how to leverage it. So on today, Alexa and I talk about VFL's program offerings, how they think about curriculum development, and what sets VFL apart from other programs in our growing ecosystem. Before you hear from Alexa and I, be sure to subscribe to the Transition Newsletter at the link in the show notes. If there's a topic you'd like me to cover on the show or in the newsletter, feel free to shoot me an email at mike.stedman at bunkerlabs.org or message me directly on LinkedIn at Iron Mike Stedman. This episode of The Transition is brought to you by MetLife Foundation and their commitment to supporting veteran and military spouse entrepreneurs. In addition, MetLife Foundation provides mentorship and financial health resources to veterans and military spouses transitioning into the workforce. As always, I hope you enjoyed today's show and that accelerates you on your own entrepreneurial journey. Alexa, what's going on? Welcome to The Transition. Hey, Mike. Thanks so much for having me. I'm fired up to have you on here today because, like I was telling you in the pre-interview, I've been doing some ecosystem mapping for the community. We've had, uh, who have we had on here? I've recently had uh, Hivers and Strivers on, which is a, a veteran-friendly venture capital firm. I've also had uh, PinFed Foundation, right? I'm going. I'm reaching outside the Bunker community. And as a former Bunker Lab city leader, you're really a Bunker Lab's OG, now director of Veterans Future Lab. I thought it'd be great to get you on here to talk about all the work you guys are doing there because, you know, a couple of things. One, I think it's a program a lot of community can benefit from. I have a personal touch there because you've invited me to speak on branding and speak to some of your graduating classes. And I thought you and I could just kind of have a great conversation about VFL and, uh, you know, what opportunities it presents for uh, the Bunker Lab community. So without further ado, Alexa, please just uh, introduce yourself to everyone. Absolutely. So uh, as Mike mentioned, I'm a OG city leader with the New York chapter with Bunker Labs. But, um, you know, now I wear a hat over at NYU Tandem Veterans Future Lab. Uh, we're a program dedicated to supporting veteran and military spouse entrepreneurs. Uh, and we do that with two programs. One is a really great hands on 12 week training course. It's run really similar to an academia type course, which I think is really great because it allows you 12 weeks to really hone in and focus on something for two hours, once a week, every week. And then by the end of the 12 weeks, you're walking away with those elevator pitch uh, business models, business plans, ready to like actually go out and do the work to start your business. So um, aside from that, we also have a program called Apex and that's a nine month incubator more geared towards our tech startups. Um, you know, we see a lot of companies come through here in that pre-seed, seed stage uh, arena. They're getting ready to fundraise and we kind of help them, help them reduce those overhead costs with certain perks and benefits. And, um, you know, it's just, it's an honor. I've always loved working with entrepreneurs, helping them find, like you said, like who is it within the network that they need to be connected with, whether it's a funder, a mentor, a subject matter expert, like that's what gets me going. Uh, and that's where I found a lot of my success as a nonprofit leader myself outside of the Veterans Future Lab. So I'm excited to be doing it now in a more official role. So one thing I forgot to mention, me and Alexa are kindred spirits. We're both based in Jersey. So they run the nonprofit Backpacks for Life. I run Ironbound Boxing. I feel like we've been attached at the hip since what, 2018? 
Uh, yeah. We met at a uh, bunker brews. We don't use that word anymore. We used to they used to call them bunker brews, but the uh, events we used to get together. And uh, I, I I remember when I met y'all, right? Because you guys came into the veterans and residents the very next cohort after mine, and then that was when we got you know our little friendship going. Yeah, I remember I got a message from you on LinkedIn after the first time I met you at a speed networking event. You said, send me your email. I want to get you guys into the Veterans and Residents program. And little did I know that would be, and I always say this, you know, the the catalyst to what is now like Backpacks for Life's traction, growth, success. You know, we saw it at a really pivotal time that we got introduced to the bunker and went through all the programming. And to be in there with someone like you and, you know, just like the hustle, the struggle, the challenges. And now we're here and we're just like, hey, I made it. Kinda. <laughs> and you know what, too? My designer for Ironbound Boxing, uh, Drew, he does all our logos, this really slick Ironbound Boxing logo. I met them through Alexa. And the other thing was, we haven't talked about this. I don't know if I've told anybody this. When I won the $25,000 uh, grant from the Street Shares Foundation, we were in the competition together, and you guys actually helped me get more votes. You said, Mike, stop posting on social media, go through your phone, and start reaching out directly to people to get them to uh, vote for you. And you even shared a script with me. And then I ended up winning, right? But I always felt uh, appreciative for you guys for that because, I, again, I think it shows the strength of the of the community. And that was, uh, I don't know what would have happened had I not won uh, that, that, that grant back in uh, 2019. That was a battle. Yeah, did we get a cut of your uh, your 25K? Because we <laughs> we came in second, so they not too bad. But, but that's the whole thing, right? Like, I think there's such a competitive aspect of entrepreneurship. Like, I want to be the first to do this. I want to be the best to do that. When in reality, like half of the successes that I have as a business owner, and I'm sure you could agree, it's from warm intros, it's from somebody reaching out and saying, here's what worked for us, try this method. Um, like you just mentioned, Drew, you know, he does all our branding and we'd be lost without him. And, you know, to be able to share that with another business owner, like for like, why wouldn't you want to see someone else that, you know, in your ecosystem, you know, that you're shoulder to shoulder with succeed? Yeah. And, you know, one thing I'm always conscious of, even when I get so busy now, right, because, you know, time is like. The, the more successful you get, it feels like the less time you have. But I always try to remember, man, when I was coming up, if people didn't make time for me, I would have been just stuck. So, you know, it's one of those kind of give backs, right? I always am cognizant of, like, am I carving out enough time to give back and help other people in the same way I was helped as I was coming up? And I think you're the same way. And another reason she's kindred spirits is neither Alexa and I have, like, MBAs Right. We t taught ourselves, you know, through the Hustler MBA School of Hard Knocks. And it was funny because we hear you are talking about Series A and Series B and all this other stuff. I was like, look at Alexa, all educated director of VFL. And I, could you share with our listeners how you became the director of, of, of the program and your, you know, your quick journey? Yeah. So, you know, I was an entrepreneur's side hustle and, you know, struggling to make things happen with my nonprofit Backpacks for Life and realized I needed to rip that Band-Aid off and just take on entrepreneurship full time. I only recommend that when you have, you know, a little bit of money and savings, so don't just go up and quit your job. But we were at an inflection point where the nonprofit was struggling because we weren't giving it full time attention and we knew that it deserved it. So I quit my corporate job, found Bunker Labs, ended up at a muster summit event, you know, a few weeks later and walked in and said, hey, I just quit my corporate job. And you're kind of backed into a corner and forces you to go nowhere but forward, right? Like you can't go backwards. You're in charge of you. You're in charge of your success. So get after it. And we spent years going to networking events, pitch competitions, getting in front of anybody we could to just share the mission of Backpacks for Life. Uh, and part of that journey was presenting at NYU Chan and Veterans Future Lab as a lunch and learn guest speaker. You know, I walked in there with my Backpacks for Life backpack, started telling everyone our entrepreneurial journey of developing a backpack, prototyping, patenting, the whole thing. Um, and, you know, one thing led to another, and I was asked by the former director, um, you know, Commissioner James Hendon, who's now with New York City Department of Veteran Services, uh, if I would come in and be a lecturer. So I started out as a lecturer with the Veterans Future Lab, and my first iteration of teaching our veteran entrepreneurship training course was to military spouses. 
Um, and that was near and dear to my heart as a spouse. So I was super excited to just teach these key principles and the foundation of what it takes to actually take up an idea and build it into a functioning business. Um, so I did that for about two years and then slowly started to take on some more consulting work with the Veterans Future Lab, just advising on how to run efficient programs, how to build programs where you can you know, find the right metrics to report on and what is your measure of success. Um, and did that for a handful of months. And then next thing you know, it was the day after uh, my nonprofit's golf outing last September. So I'm coming up on just a year now of being the director. And I got a call and they said, how'd you like to be the director? Um, and it felt like a really big challenge. And to your earlier point, like MBA, no. I, you know, going to work at NYU, I'm like, I'm, I'm so honored to be able to step into this role. And it was a challenge. So coming up on a year now of being in the director position and it encompasses a lot of things. It's not just program success and curriculum. It's also funder outreach and just being part of the community and letting people know that we're an available resource to veterans, mill spouses, and those in service that are getting ready to transition. And maybe they're considering entrepreneurship, but they really just don't know where to start. Well, I appreciate you sharing that story because I think it's dope because, again, you and me are very similar, right? We be, keep finding ourselves in these leadership uh, positions, cultivating the community, providing programming and stuff, et cetera. And I'm just excited to continue um, growing with you as we continue to build, you know, this amazing ecosystem. And, you know, one thing we do on, on this show in particular is we take off our armor. So as the director of VFL and as an entrepreneur yourself, what's something you're struggling with personally or professionally currently? So I think uh, personally, and this is something that has been a struggle as an entrepreneur for years is boundaries. And in our pre-show, we just talked about when was the last time we went on a vacation and actually put on an out of office and actually like drew that line in the sand. Um, that's something I've always struggled with and I've learned to get a little bit better because there's all this concept of like hustle culture, right? And like hustle harder and that's like measuring your success. But at the end of the day, if that causes burnout, like doesn't make sense for longevity. So, you know, for me, it was finding that hustle balance. Um, Cause don't get me wrong, I still work nights, weekends, I hustle when I need to, but you have to find that balance. So that's something I always struggle with personally. Um, professionally, you know, we're a program at the Veterans Future Lab that has been well known in New York City for a very long time. Uh, but when the pandemic hit, we shifted to a hybrid and virtual model for all of our programming. So for that, it's definitely a challenge now because we're trying to broaden our reach and support entrepreneurs no matter where they are, Texas, California, Florida. And it's a beautiful thing that the hybrid and virtual worlds exist, but doing so in a way that's effective, um, you know, we need to scale, but we're, we don't want to scale too big, too quick. Um, just because bandwidth issues, we're a small team. It's very entrepreneurial in our internal team, um, but we're looking to scale and grow our program offerings so we can reach more folks who are interested in entrepreneurship training and our incubator program, um, but we have to do so carefully. Well, I appreciate you um, sharing that. And obviously running a program brings its own set of challenges. People don't understand reaching out to funders, making sure the programs run efficiently. You know, a lot of times when you're building these things out, it's like a venture within itself, right? You got to bet the systems and the processes and all that other stuff. So it's cool to see, um, and I'm excited to learn more. In my case, and I wonder if you can relate to this. So I have set some lofty, like, entrepreneurial goals for myself. You know, one thing is being the number one brand strategist for veteran-owned businesses. Then I recently just um, took a coaching role with the Lions Pride, and I'm excited to learn and grow, uh, help veteran entrepreneurs as a business coach. But then I just got done with my first book, Black Veteran Entrepreneur, that's coming out here soon. But part of me, as like the Renaissance man, like it's very hard for me to be a hack, right? Like I couldn't be like a, a Ryan Holiday and write like 10 books on stoicism. You get what I'm saying? Or like, I love Seth Godin, but like, I don't want to write 20 books on marketing, right? That's not my personality. Like, I like to do stuff, figure out that I can do it, and then I tend to maybe want to either do it better or I'm interested in something else, right? Because I got this just curiosity in me, and that's where I like spending my time and my money. I love in investing and learning how to do new things. But sometimes, like, some of the things don't necessarily have, like, a big financial return, if that makes sense, like another hobby. And I really contemplated writing a fiction novel. Um, 
I know. Because <laughs> before we jumped on, Alexa was like, Mike, what are you working on now? You know, what's the next thing? But there's something about fiction um, and creating worlds and characters and everything like that. And so I'm at this kind of like, uh, maybe I'm just in my head, right? But because I, I spend so much of my time cultivating like the entrepreneurial aspect of me. But then there's this other artistic aspect that I want to learn and grow on. And so it's like in my head still. So I don't, I'm, I'm hesitant to take on another big lofty project on top of number one brand strategy. Just started coaching with Alliance Pride. Already got the nonprofit running. Like now you want to go write a fiction novel. So it's like, how do we, and I'm curious to hear your feedback on this, but like, how do you process like what projects you want to go after and, and stuff that you want to put by the wayside? So I am the first to admit that my biggest flaw is learning to say no and not saying it enough. Um, point in case, aside from my own nonprofit, also being the director of the Veterans Future Lab, I have my hands in a, a variety of other entrepreneurial endeavors. So manufacturing company that produced PPE back during COVID uh, and was supplying all the New Jersey, you know, state veteran nursing homes with gowns. Uh, I have a couple of cannabis companies that just were awarded licenses in the state of New Jersey, working with the team to get those up and operational. Um, I also have a consulting LLC for any of the, you know, idea fairy type things that come my way where I'm like, oh, this is something I can advise on. It is super challenging to say no, and I'm not good at it by any means. So, you know, I'm sure there's a lot of folks listening who are trying to learn how to say no. I think you need to figure out like, what is it that you're really good at? And I think over the last year, year and a half or so, like I found that like my project management hat was something I was really good at and really enjoyed doing. Like, give me a problem set, give me a team, let me know who does what within these roles and I'll figure out the roadmap. How do we get from point A to Z, right? And how do we get there? What paperwork do we need? Who needs to do what? What are the timelines? So like program and project management became this thing that I just really, really enjoyed. So in every role that I've, or every opportunity I've taken on, I've just positioned myself in that role, that I wanna manage the project from this perspective. Um, that doesn't mean I still don't have to do all the other things, especially for my own nonprofit. You know, it's still gotta do my accounting, reconcile QuickBooks at the end of every month. You know, that stuff doesn't go away, but I really try if I'm taking on a new opportunity to just position myself in the role that I know I'll get enjoyment out of. Cause otherwise you just start saying yes to things and almost like diminishing your value in a sense of just saying yes to everything, but not doing it with intention of like, Hey, this is the exact role I foresee for myself in this project or this idea. Yeah. And you know what is devastating for a lot of people is incomplete projects because they'll kill your confidence. So what you do is you do want to set lofty goals for yourself. But again, you don't want to do it to the point to where like you're not actually accomplishing them. And then you just end up in this kind of like self-loathing kind of uh, deal. But I think for me, what the interesting thing is stuff that is fun for me tends to be stuff that's actually hard and challenging. Right. But there's probably some psychological stuff that goes with it, too, about that sense of improving yourself. Mm -hmm. You know, you get that adrenaline, those endorphins and everything. So I know that was kind of random, y'all. But for me, right, just trying to manage all these different projects, kind of working on. Um, I don't know, man. I also think there's more to life than just business, per se. Right. It's fun. We love our entrepreneurial journey. But it's like what other things like how are we defining ourselves outside of the job? that makes sense and so that's why i always tell people i'm a renaissance man so yeah. i appreciate your advice on that and you know one thing we got to acknowledge what brought us here today is bunker labs national network of veteran and military spouse entrepreneurs dedicated to helping our community start and grow their own businesses so as alexa already said she was a city leader she was in the vir she was an ambassador like i feel like you've been in it um, and even though you're at VFL now, you're still very much plugged in. We had a great event in New York City um, that you hosted with uh, the PenFed Foundation. Um, the what was the what was the name of the event? That was the Top Cities Tour. So New York City's number two city fell from the number one spot. But yeah, we had a great event uh, with PenFed Foundation doing a whole panel on. Uh, capital fundraising, the different types of capital for veteran entrepreneurs. It was awesome. It's it's all about collaboration. And like to your point, you know, like I was with Bunker for such a long time in this volunteer capacity after my time with the veterans and residents because I saw the value in staying part of that ecosystem and 
all the people I met, and again, like largely attribute many of the successes of my nonprofit to either people or experiences I met or had through the bunker. Um, but now to come on the other side of it with the Veterans Future Lab and get approached by PenFed and say, hey, let's collaborate on this event to celebrate entrepreneurship in New York City. And that's what we want, right? Like our missions are to support entrepreneurs. Uh, and as long as we're doing that in our own and collectively as a force, like that's a win. That was a really dope event, y'all. And one of the things I appreciate about it was like, again, sometimes getting to events can be hard, especially in the middle of a weekday. But I was like, I need to go to this event because we had PenFed there. We're talking about venture capital. You guys brought the whole community out. And it was just amazing energy, right? Um, how important do you think it is for our entrepreneurs tuning in to get out there and go to these events and be a part of the community? I'll tell a funny story because my very first Bunker Labs event, I went to it and I stood on the side of the room and I just watched all these people networking and I was like, wow, look at these people go. Like, couldn't fathom the concept of walking up to someone and say, hi, my name's Alexa, what do you do? And it was something that I just was watching people do in awe. And it was such an, I was teetering on the edge of uncomfortable, right? And this kind of is like that same concept we were just talking about, like being comfortable with being uncomfortable, challenging yourself. I had to push myself to go to these events and just talk to anyone, start up a conversation, exchange a business card, get someone on LinkedIn. And all those opportunities and all those different times, again, I could, if you give me a poster board, I could weave, you know, how I met Mike and all the people that are threaded through both of us and our ecosystem. And it all goes back to events. Today, I could walk into a networking event and go up to someone and pitch my business in 30 seconds and say, hi, my name's Alexa. I'm founder and executive director of Backpacks for Life. I also serve as director. You know what I mean? I could go into that, but it took practice and it took being uncomfortable. And maybe you have some conversations that don't go anywhere, but maybe that person thinks of you when they're in another room. Hey, I just met this person at another event and I really think you should connect with them. Like that speaks volumes. And again, like that I think is like good practice for any entrepreneur. It's uncomfortable, but it makes you learn how to be able to talk to a brick wall, essentially. Plus, it's also good to know the ecosystem, right? So know what opportunities are available, not just for you, but also your peers and stuff. You start putting that good energy out and it gets reciprocated. So, you know, even with VFL, right? One of the ways I found out about it before you were the director was I met, um, I think it was Hendon, right? James Hendon at a Bunker Labs event end up finding out about it, start looking at looking at it. I was like, okay, this is something that could potentially be a good resource for me in the future, and if not me, other people um, in my network. And so I'm interested um, from you, your perspective, right? There's all these different programs out there now. We got IVMF, right, which also has a, a Institute for Veteran Military Families up at Syracuse, has a academic kind of tone to it as well. They've got their EBV program, that 12-week program. You've got Bunker Labs, obviously. We've got our veterans and residents. We've got our breaking barriers in entrepreneurship. Um, and we've got VFL, Veterans Future Lab. Talk to us about how you see yourself fitting um, in the broader ecosystem, and then how do you differentiate yourselves from the other programs um, so that our listeners can get an understanding of like why they would be probably a good fit? Yeah. So all the programs you just mentioned are incredible programs, and I think they each serve veterans, one, or veterans and military spouses, you know, I'll say veterans collectively, um, serve veterans along different points of their entrepreneurial journey. Um, so, you know, for the Veterans Future Lab, we offer a course called Veteran Entrepreneurship Training. We offer level one and level two. So we have vet one and vet two. Uh, vet one is really for those folks who are like, I have an idea. Right. I don't know how to articulate it, but I know that I have an idea and I want to build it into something. And the deliverable at the end of that class is learning how to elevator pitch a 30 second elevator pitch and a one sheeter executive summary about your business. Right. So you at least have something on paper to go out and then figure out, is this actually a business model I can validate? What we do though, is we teach this over 12 weeks. And I think that's super important because I think oftentimes you have these webinars or these one-offs where it's like 30 minutes, an hour, uh, two hours, and there's a panel and you maybe don't get a hold of the panelists afterwards, or you don't get to have conversations and there's a run of show, right? So you're up against the clock. 
So we have a 12 week course and again, a fortunate benefit of the last two years have now been able to offer this virtually. So although we're based at NYU in New York City, we offer this on Zoom. It's super easy for folks who are working that main job to hop online at night in the evenings and work on their side hustle. Um, but what it does is we bring in and we rotate, Mike's been a guest, but we rotate bringing in guest speakers and it's part of a series, but we offer time for Q&A, offer time for all of our students to get to connect with the guest speaker. And that's just one portion of the curriculum. It's two to two and a half hours, curriculum-based teaching. We feature breakout rooms and then guest speakers because Two things that come out of our program where we get the most feedback from our vet course, both the, the beginner and the intermediate, is we love the sense of community and getting a chance to meet new entrepreneurs that we didn't know and seeing where our businesses might align, You know, whether I can provide you a service or you can put my product in your shop. And then two, it's getting to hear from subject matter experts. So that guest lecture series is really key, hearing from someone who's on the other side, they're growing, they're scaling their business, and they've had success. So that's, you know, the one of two programs. But I think what's really unique is that it's over 12 weeks and it really gives you time to cultivate those relationships, get feedback from your instructor, um, you know, and walk away at the end of the day with elevator pitch practice and executive summary from our vet one and then from vet two, walk away with a full business plan and understanding financial modeling and how your go-to-market strategy. These are things that take time, right? Um, you know, I often feel that entrepreneurs spend so much time tinkering and they don't go out there and get out of their desk and go talk to customers, go validate their model. Um, so I think what we offer is a really nice combination because each week it allows you to focus on one piece of that business and go out and actually do it. Um, so with our vet program, you know, we've got hundreds of people applying and you know that's really our, our 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 bread and butter for those who are listening that are maybe like small business brick and mortar consulting firms um more of those like b2c type businesses um and then on the flip side we have our apex program and that's our nine month incubator um i liken this similar to the veterans and residents program um, what's really great about this nine month, again, it's been hybrid for the last two years. So we accept companies from all across the country, but this is geared more towards our tech enabled companies. So whether you're health tech, FinTech, data analytics, whatever it be, if you have a tech component, you know that's where you can really leverage NYU. We're housed in the School of Engineering. We have access to a 20,000 square foot makerspace. We have access to professors, faculty, research, the greater NYU ecosystems, think of like Langone, um, Stern, you get access to interns, four credit interns. So all these different factors of being part of that NYU ecosystem that really puts you in a place to say, hey, I'm part of NYU and I get to access free interns and makerspace and access to faculty to really help me take this tech idea that I've got and go to that next step. Um, and with that, we also try to provide pro bono support that helps reduce overhead costs so founders can extend their runway. So, you know, pro bono legal services with Goodwin Law, that happens office hours every month. So if you're in the middle of looking at a term sheet and you need support there, that's where our team can help you. Um, Amazon Web Service Credits, we do lunch and learns. We bring in subject matter experts to do one-on-ones with our founders. Uh, we worked with Task Force Capital. They've been great. They did one-on-one -on -one coaching for our founders to get them prepped if they're gonna go fundraise. Um, pitch prep, you name it. So it's really just a little bit more advanced and again, more geared towards our tech startups with that Apex program. Yeah, I think the, differenti the differentiation there for me is what you just said about um, access to the NYU ecosystem. Because for me, just thinking out loud, I'm thinking if I'm a fintech company, right, like I should probably get plugged into VFL just off the bat. One, because you know New York City, right, let's just, let's just call it what it is, right, the mecca of finance, right? Then you've got NYU, you've got Stern, you've got the professors. And at one point, I don't know if y'all still doing this, do y'all still provide housing um, for entrepreneurs that relocate to New York City? So we don't, um, we did. And then when the pandemic hit, that offering yeah. kind of just fizzled out. Um, but, you know, that being said, it's a place and we found that a lot of our candidates that come through, they're in New York a lot already doing investor meetings and things like that, but they have somewhere to come when they are in New York, they've got 
a desk, they've got meeting rooms, they've got conference space, um, and at least an HQ to drop when they're in town. Yeah, and the makerspace too. Let's not get that wrong, right? Like if you have yeah. any kind of hard tech, something that you're working on, that physical product, right? That's a great resource there as well. Even if it's just digital, right? Just having access to all the computers, the equipment, you know, um, the data, everything. I mean, it sounds like an amazing opportunity, you know, from this side of the table. Yeah, I think, you know, the two biggest things that we see as being a benefit, again, to your point, like if you're a hardware company and you need to prototype, you could do so through our makerspace, which is huge. Like that would cost you money to rent space, be in a makerspace, find the equipment. You know what I mean? That's a big lift. Um, and then also our student interns. So we have folks coming out of NYU Tandon that are rising juniors and seniors and they're coders, they're engineers. And that's a lot of times what people are entrepreneurs. They have this idea. They're like, hey, I want to build an app or I have this software idea but I need a developer and I need someone that I can really just like take on to tackle this project. And that's where our student interns come in. So those are usually two of the bigger benefits that we hear from our founders. And also again, the community it always goes back to community. And I know that's like a redundant saying, but to be in the same space as 10 other companies who are in that same, we're pre-seed, seed, we're really gearing up, like to be around those folks and like sharing that commonality is just another thing that brings together people who maybe wouldn't have crossed paths otherwise. Now, as an operator, right, entrepreneur in the fight, bobbing and weaving, just like me, and also being someone who is overseeing a program, looking at curriculum, et cetera, as you start to think about curriculum for entrepreneurs, right, there's a lot of fluff out there. And, you know, when people come in the ecosystem, they want to read the 4-Hour Workweek and all these other books. And I like Tim Ferriss. I'm actually listening to Tim Ferriss podcast when you jumped on. But I'm curious to know, like, what do you think about entrepreneurial curriculum, right? Like, let me know. Um, let's just have a, a conversation about it because, you know, when I was on at, gradu at your graduation for the vet class, one thing I emphasized was please get out there and, like, start selling today. Like, get your beta, whatever, you know, get out there, get it into the ecosystem and let customers start to give you feedback on what's working, what's not working. Because up until that point, in my mind, everything is a vanity metric. Right. But now you're starting to see across the board, everyone kind of has like the same kind of entrepreneurial curriculum. But, you know, some people just get stuck in that um, ideation phase and never actually launch. Right. Mm -hmm. And one of the reasons I had to go get a business coach was because. At a certain point, right, I was like, okay, I'm in the fight. I don't know what I'm doing. <laughs> you know what I mean? I feel like I'm, I'm, I'm making it up as I go. Like, I don't know anything about how to strategically do uh, strategic planning and stuff, et cetera. And so I had to go get something else. And so now I give advice when I go talk to these different kind of programs and stuff. I'm looking. I'm like, all right, this is good. But, like, once you get in the fight, like, this is what you really need. So I'm curious to, to hear your thoughts on curriculum for entrepreneurs. Yeah, I've got a handful of idea, he, ideas here, but I'll, I'll agree with your point that so many entrepreneurs just get stuck in idea phase and, oh, I have this really great idea on paper and my mom says she likes it and my uncle says he would buy it. And it's like, that's not enough. You have to go out there and talk to customers. Like you always say this, get your first 10 customers, then get another 10. Like go talk to people, put your product, your business in front of as many people as possible. Um, Cause I feel like that fear, there's just a fear of going out there and getting rejection um, that holds back a lot of entrepreneurs that we see come through our course. And it's not necessarily failure. It's okay, now go back and pivot, go back and tinker. Um, as far as curriculum goes, you know, there's a lot of archaic, ways in which entrepreneurship has been taught. And, you know, we often reference Steve Blank and the business model canvas. And I do think those are still really key, core fundamental principles that everybody should know. Um, but it's teaching it in a new way with new case studies. You need to look at present day businesses. You know, we look at case studies like Kate Spade and how that company grew or Spanx or Groupon and the way that that business was structured um, using really fresh and today businesses, Nespresso, right? Their whole like shipping pods and how do they, from customer service to ops. And I think it's really key to just teach with example because you could go through slides, death by PowerPoint and hit, this is the definition of value proposition. This is the definition of product market fit. 
You have to give tangible examples. And that's why I think our guest lecture series also adds to the curriculum piece because you have to give them a way to draw that correlation between someone else's business and their own. Um, you know, we recently just split up our vet curriculum. It used to just be vet, right? And it was one course, 12 weeks, that was it. But what we realized was that entrepreneurs were in different stages of their business, which is fine. You could be in idea phase or you could say, hey, I got a few customers. I have some traction. I've got my LLC, but I'm really having, you know, a challenge with my go to market strategy. What's the difference between sales and marketing um, and finances? And finances, I think, is the biggest thing that entrepreneurs tend to overlook. But that is what will kill your business. Like I am not a numbers person by any means. That was always my biggest intimidation. You know, when you're running a nonprofit, you're under a microscope, right? And you're running your finances a lot tighter. You're running your numbers really super lean because people are looking at that. It's not to say that a for-profit business isn't, but you're under certain scrutinies as a nonprofit. So it forced me into an arena of understanding like, what's our program revenue? What are our program costs? Like, how do you make this all flush out? And I think that's something that a lot of entrepreneurs find is like the unsexy topic. But if you don't understand your three basic you know, financial statements, you're in trouble. You need to understand the health of your business, uh, especially as you start to ramp up. You know, if you wanna go from employee one to employee two, three, four, and five. Um, so that's something we've really focused on creating and building into our VET2 curriculum. Cause it just, it's something that scares people. Um, and again, like not every entrepreneur needs to learn everything and become an accountant overnight. And that's one of my, also one of my biggest tips is like, Learn what you can so you have the understanding to make the right decisions. But if you're not the expert, hire an accountant. If you're not the expert, hire a graphic designer. If you're not the expert, hire an engineer. Like I'm a big proponent of like hire out when you know you are not the person who should be doing that job. Yeah, we call that a stay in your zone of genius, right? Because <laughs> like, again, can you get in there and play around with finances and do all this other stuff? Yeah, but like, are you the best one to do it? No. Right. Do you have room for error? Absolutely. So bringing in an SME to be able to do that. One of the best pieces of advice I got early on was to get an account. I ate the cost. Right. But I've had an account on retainer for like the last like three years. I'm finally up to the point to where we have our monthly meeting and we're just going over the different P&Ls for like the different lines of business. Um, and it took me a while to get to that point. So it's like, boom, here, nonprofit. OK, boom, boom, boom. Here's Ironbound Media. Boom, 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 boom. You know, um, and it's it is important. Now, you said something that uh, on the business model canvas and I have Phil Dillard, who's going to come on here and we're going to talk about lean startup and the whole business model canvas and everything. But one of the things I've noticed in my own experience is when I got exposed to certain things early on, like the pitch deck, how to do a pitch deck and then the business model canvas and all this other stuff, I feel like I get more out of it now after having some experience than I did in the early days when it was just like writing a fiction novel, right? Like I didn't have any real world experience to kind of base, I didn't have the business acumen yet to really understand and appreciate like the business model canvas for what it is, which is why when I'm talking to early stage founders now, get something on like a Google doc and on paper and just get out there, right? Yeah. <laughs> Create a menu of products and services, what are you charging? You know, throw up a quick landing page or something and just get out there and start to get some market-based feedback. And then you can start to scale up towards, I think, a more traditional business model canvas or just a traditional business plan in general. And I think that's what you were talking about earlier, about like things are just moving so quick now that you can spend forever in the planning phase, but you're not spending enough time in the market validation phase. Yeah, you know, it's funny, I always say that the business model canvas is a tool that you can use at year one, year three, year seven, year 10 with your business. Because you can always go back to check the health of your business, how it's operating, how it's structured. I mean, my first document for my own nonprofit was a Google Doc and it just said marketing and then a couple bullet points. And then it said backpack distribution, a couple bullet points. Social media, like just, ideas, right? But to your point, get it on paper. And I think so many people, again, sit in this ruminating idea phase of, well, I think this is what will happen. I have a feeling that the customer will like this. So it's like, no, you need to go out there and validate it because nine times out of 10, an entrepreneur will tell you they've had to go back and tinker with what they had. 
Um, but you have to start with something and like you said, get out there. The longer you sit on an idea and not actually go act on it, time's flying. Somebody else could have already come in, taken your business idea and got after it. So I think that the business model canvas is like a tried and true and it's just something you can carry with you through the lifetime of your business and always go back to it. And I would say to your point, like I didn't use a business model canvas when I first started, but could I go back to it now and all these things I've learned and picked up along the way, now I'd have a, a, a more complete flushed out business model canvas. For our listeners who are going the more, like you say, venture backable startup route, as opposed to a small business, right? This means they need to get out there, they need to raise capital, et cetera. Obviously, we got the VFL program, we got Bunker Labs and some others, but what advice would you give for founders seeking that venture uh, backable route, right, in terms of educating themselves? Because, again, you can speak fluid, fluidly about it, Series A, Series B, Pre-C, all these, this kind of lingo that can sound foreign to a lot of our community that hasn't learned it. Yeah, and I think when you're – part of a company that's going after VC or angel funding or whatever it is, you know, you're not going the standard, I'm gonna go get a loan at my local bank or I'm gonna get an SBA loan or, you know, grant or this type of thing. You're really going after a valuation and a big chunk of money. Do your due diligence to look into all these groups. I would say in the veteran space, there's tons of great venture capital firms that are coming out dedicated solely to veteran and military spouse led companies, which is incredible, but you have to read the fine print. Are they focusing just on healthcare startups? Like really do the due diligence to find out what their key areas of interest are because not every VC wants to invest in all the same industries, right? Like they're diversifying their portfolio as well. So really like do the homework to understand who you're talking to before you talk to someone. Um, you know, something we offer to our founders, I mentioned this earlier, but we do pitch prep with Task Force Capital and each of our founders was kind of in a stage where they were just about getting ready to go pitch to VCs, but needing that first like work through the kinks and pitch it. So if you have the opportunity to like do an informal sit down with someone, I do recommend it. Um, fundraising is intimidating and especially right now, fundraising is hard. Um, I would say and urge folks like today, knowing the current climate, you know, inflation, all the things that are happening, consider the fact that you might be able to acquire customers and not have to fundraise. A lot of folks have these impressive, really tech enabled companies and not realizing they could go out and get paying customers um, versus going out and fundraising. And I think that's like a misstep when you focus too much or too hard on fundraising. Of course, for some people, that's definitely the case and you need to, but in a position like now, look to government contracting, look to the government, like they have to spend a lot of money and they're looking for top tech talent. So some of those more like DOD related programs, um, CIBR grants, STTR grants, um, those are things to really look into um, Right now, given the current climate, I'm encouraging tech entrepreneurs to really look outside the VC bubble. And it's to no shame to, there's great VC groups, you know, the Veteran Fund, Task Force Capital, Academy Investor Network, um, Squadra Ventures, like all these folks. Um, and get some introductions while you can. See if you can just have a candid conversation. I mean, veteran to veteran, there's a lot of folks I know out there. A couple of them were at our Top Cities event with PenFed. And they're happy to just grab a coffee, grab a beer and they work for a venture firm, but just let you pick their brain. And that I think preps you for those more important and bigger meetings where you don't wanna have a slip up and you don't wanna have a mistake to just have some you know, practice time beforehand. So I'm curious to hear your thoughts on mindset for someone who goes the more venture backable route, uh, you know, or they're gonna start this tech startup as opposed to a traditional small business. Because I don't know about you, but a lot of times amongst my peer groups that aren't entrepreneurs, right, they really, um, how do I say this? Uh, it's almost like they think smaller about small business, you know, like you're not thinking big enough, right? Even with our nonprofit, scale, 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 right? And sometimes I wonder, right, do I hold myself back by not thinking kind of massive? Um, but if you also go that route, right, it's a different level of focus. If we, you and I were running venture backable startups, we probably couldn't be hosting podcasts like we're doing and 
working on these different side projects. You know why? Because you have other people's money, right? So they're going to be like, what the hell are you doing, doing this and doing that, right? So I think for us, we like that kind of freedom and that autonomy. But when you're talking to founders, right, how do you advise them to pursue one or the other, right? So this is early stage or seeking ideas, right? One idea, they could go um, small business. Another one, they can go venture-backable startup. Right. And let's just let's say this. Let's say um, they, they have potential for either or. Right. So what would you what would you what do you think is the mindset versus one versus the other? That's a great question. And I don't think it's black and white. Right. Because I think like there are companies that have been backed by VCs that also just do well with paying customers. Um, I think for a lot of the folks who we see come through our programming, specifically in VET, they think that they're not, they're, they can only go the small business route, like grants, pitch competitions, SBA loans. They don't see VC as an option, but they're also not there yet. Um, so I think the mindset is to be open, right? Like be open to the possibility that you might be. And like for folks who think they're only going to be a VC backable company, like, leave your ego at the door, you know, don't feel badly bruised. If someone says to you, have you ever thought about just going out and securing clients and you know, that's your bread and butter and that's how you make more money and that's how you grow. So I think it's just a mindset of being open to all different types of funding. Again, especially in the climate we are today, like no one's in a position to turn down money. So don't be sticklery about the ways in which you can get funding. Um, of course, there's so many nuances to it too. Like, are you giving away equity? Are you putting your house on the line to get this loan? And there's so many factors that goes into it, but you gotta be super flexible, but also like aware of what's at stake if you're willing to go one route over the other. Yeah, no, that's real. And I just think sometimes though, it's almost like, um, I guess venture sounds more sexy than running a, a small business. But again, once you know people that are in both spaces, right? It's really, I don't want to say it's all the same thing, right? Each presents its own unique set of challenges. But I don't want people to mis make the mistake of thinking that, oh, they're not successful because they don't have a venture-backable startup, right? Because yeah. I think so much of entrepreneurship is looked at through that lens these days. You're so right. I feel like there's this unspoken mindset that if someone's like, oh, I have a coffee business, they're like, that's not VC backable or like, oh, I have a candle company. Oh, that's not VC backable. Like even if it wasn't VC backable, that doesn't mean it's not a successful business. And it almost feels like people have gotten into this mindset that like being at the caliber of a VC backable startup or company is like the old, like the, the premier, you know, that's the number one, that's the ideal place you want to be. But at the end of the day, you also see tech startups that flop and they have to return their money to their investor or they don't raise the investment so the company dies out. So it's not to say, like, I would say, like, small businesses are the backbone of our, our country, you know what I mean? Like, they are coming swinging and they can be equally or if not more successful than a VC-backed company. Yeah, absolutely. So um, is there anything we left out on our talk today about a VFL that you'd like to share with our listeners? Uh, really excited to share that our applications are open for our veteran entrepreneurship training course. Um, so this is our level one course. We offer it every fall, spring, and um, summer is when we offer VET 2, which is our more intermediate. But what's great is if you want to join us for the fall, um, deadline is September 7th to submit applications about your company. Um, again, this is our introductory veteran entrepreneurship training course. And what's great is if you take it in the fall, then you can join us in the summer for VET 2. Um, if you can't take VET1 in the fall, you can do it in the spring. So we offer that twice a year. Um, so applications are open, which is exciting. We'd love to see applications come in. Um, you know, and if anybody's ever in New York City, you know, looking for ecosystem, like to your earlier point, this is all about ecosystem mapping, right? And connecting the dots. Like we remain a resource to veteran entrepreneurs. And if we can't be the ones to help you, Odds are we have someone that we can connect you to to help you, you know, achieve whatever it is your ask is. I'll be sure to include the link um, to that application as well as link to your website in our show notes. So before we wrap up here, though, Alexa, I got two questions for you. Number one, what advice would you like to leave 
for our listeners as they pursue their own entrepreneurial journey? And number two, how can people follow you? How can they get a hold of you and uh, support your work? Oh, advice. How much time do we got? No. Uh, I think my biggest piece of advice would be know what you're really good at and know where you're not good at things. And this is to my earlier point, like know what you excel at. And like, personally, I found what I excelled at and like really hone in on that and find others to surround you to fill in the gaps where you might not be as, you know, proficient in that arena. Um, you know, like I'm more of an operator, creative marketing, branding, not my wheelhouse. And I'll own that. So like, that's my biggest piece of advice is being super aware of what you're good at and what you're not. Cause at the end of the day, entrepreneurs are very much, I have to do it all. I, I you have to, right? Like it's this can do everything. I'm everything. I'm finance. I'm HR. I'm all the things to my business, but you got to be really careful about how far you let yourself go with that because it can end up hurting your business in the long run. So just be super aware of and check in with yourself. Say like, what am I good at? What is the thing that I want to see myself doing within my business? in five years from now? And like, what could be my focus? What could I really hone in on? Um, I feel like now I'm at the stage of my entrepreneurial journey where I can do that. In the beginning, it's a little harder. You just have to do it all. Um, But as you grow and as you scale, think about like, where can you really just like succeed in an area where you feel like you're at your peak performance? Um, So that's my piece of advice. And then what was your second question? I forget. Where can people follow you? How can I get? Oh, out? yeah. Uh, find me on LinkedIn, Alexa Modero. Uh, you can follow my nonprofit Backpacks for Life on Instagram, Facebook, uh, Twitter, all the things. Um, and then Veterans Future Lab, we're over on LinkedIn. We're always sharing resources about pitch competitions, grants, resources for entrepreneurs. If we're doing workshops, seminars. Um, so follow us on LinkedIn. Uh, we're also on Twitter. And yeah, I think that's it. Well, Alexa, it's been an honor having you here. Y'all, make sure y'all head over to uh, Veterans Future Lab, learn about all the amazing programs and resources they have for the community. Again, they throw dope events here in New York City. So if you're here, the next time they do one of those uh, uh, events with PinFed Foundation or one of your other partners, you know, be sure to come and uh, check us out. And I'm telling y'all, people drove up for that event, right? They drove up hours just to come in and uh, be there because, again, there's nothing like being in the room with your community, uh, particularly when you're doing something so niche, right? Like veteran entrepreneurship, uh, venture capital, et cetera. So it was just really great. Um, and also check out her organization, Backpacks for Life. Every year they donate backpacks to my organization, Ironbound Boxing. They have become a staple of our gym. All our kids rock them. I'm always sharing pictures on social. Um, and it's just really cool to be in the community with you. And uh, for our listeners, do me a favor, make sure you subscribe to the Transition Newsletter at the link in the show notes. If there's a topic you'd like me to cover on the show or in the newsletter, shoot me an email at mike.stedman at bunkerlabs.org or reach out to me on LinkedIn at Iron Mike Stedman. Head over to bunkerlabs.org and get plugged into our ecosystem. We got programs that'll take you from idea to invoice, incubate you, and position you to grow alongside other founders and CEOs. Until next time, everyone, peace, love, and have a great rest of your week.